Oh, yeah. <laughs> Brian? Yeah. How you doing? I'm good, man. It's good to see you. Yeah. Good to be back. Yep. Uh, Richard Goff here, and you are? Brian Irby. Yeah. And uh, welcome to That's Worth Repeating. Welcome to That's Worth Repeating, Brian. Thank you. So we're going we're gonna to jump in today into another episode where we've got another quotable quote by a notable person that we're going to uh, kind of unpack and talk about. Really, it's one of those kind of quotes where you could spend a lot of time. Uh, the subject matter that it introduces is pretty significant mm-hmm. and pretty far-reaching. Um, but I also think that since this is one of our more early-on episodes in this, this new podcast we've launched here, uh, we're kind of just getting started, so it might be helpful for us to continue to sort of let people get to know us a little bit. Yeah, you know, all six and a half of our fans. <laughs> um, and 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 so I thought that I'd start by just asking you a question, maybe a, kind of a personal question. All right. To uh, yeah, so brace yourself. How personal are we get? But there? but it's a question that is related to the the quotable quote by a notable person okay. that we're going to talk about today. Okay, so it's 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 it gives, it serves two purposes. One is it lets people kind of get to know you a little bit, but then it also serves as kind of a a segue or an introduction to what we're going to talk about. All right, all right. So it's all on you now. Right. So my, here's my question. I think I myself, even though I have a little bit of an idea of this, but I also think that all of our adoring fans out there want to know how long have you been the oppressive, <laughs> patriarchal overlord of your wife, Mackenzie. How long, how long, so how long have we been married? Well, the same thing. <laughs> I mean, oppressive, patriarchal overlord. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or husband. Yeah, we actually just celebrated 15 years this Fif- month, yeah. 15 years. So your, your sweet, talented, gracious, strong, independent, powerful wife, Mackenzie, has been suffering under your oppressive hand for 15 years. And I didn't think it would last this long. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually what we said. We were, Jokingly, we were like, man, I guess everybody was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about defying the odds. Who'd have thunk it? Well, it, it has been wonderful. Yeah. She's great, great, great woman of God. And, um, and you are very fortunate, I might oh, yeah. say. I know. Um, Marrying above yourself is really, it's, that doesn't even capture what's happened here. Um, so I'm not even going to use that sort of that common cliche. Um, I don't know if you're ridiculing me or praising my wife or both. Yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. Yes. No, but uh, the reason why I can say that so boldly and confidently, well, you know why. Because I've done the same thing. So I, I know where I stand as well. But uh, seriously, we, um, we're, we're going to jump in today into what can be some pretty deep waters from a sort of cultural perspective. Yeah. Um, and we're going to talk about sort of the, uh, I don't know, some elements of manhood and womanhood or um, some cultural implications for the evolving and changing roles and understanding of roles of men and women in society. And, um, you know, we could we could settle in on talking about, you know, women's and men's roles from a biblical perspective in the context of the church or whatever. There's a lot of things we yeah. can talk about, but but I really want to kind of focus on, I want to take this quote that we're going to talk about today and, and really think about it from the standpoint of 
of culture and society and really what we are living through and observing and, and, uh, and talk about it from a biblical perspective um, and, and also just think about it from the standpoint of, of what it means for us as believers and how we would speak to that yeah, yeah. Um, from, a, from a biblical worldview and from a Christian perspective. So today we're going we're gonna, to uh, hear a quote from Dr. Albert Moeller. All right. Uh, Dr. Moeller, um, for those of you who aren't familiar with him, he certainly uh, is a notable person um, from a, a number of vantage points. But Dr. Moeller is—he's um, a prolific writer. He's a—he's a social and political and and theological commentator. He's been on countless, you know, mainstream uh, prime time news programs. He's sort of a a um, a, a very one of those go-to sort of Christian perspective voices yeah. uh, in the public domain. But Dr. Moeller is, um, he's the president of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. That's kind of his primary role. Um, he's a hes a seminary a professor, excuse me, a seminary president and professor. Um, he's obviously written a ton of books, a ton of articles. He is one of these guys that is just, he is, he is, he is a, he is a machine when it comes to producing meaningful content. Yeah. So whether it's through his uh, writings in books or his writings in articles, online articles, uh, whether it's through his sermons and his teaching that he might do that gets captured for uh, in, in a church uh, or at a conference, um, he, he's a lecturer. He's a he's like I said he's a he's a seminary professor as well. But he also has um, a daily podcast. Every weekday, he does a podcast called The Briefing. And the tagline to The Briefing is uh, a daily analysis of news and events from a Christian worldview. And, and this is, I mean, this every single morning, you can listen to The Briefing, and it's current. Yeah. Um, and it is taking, you know, some key major headlines, especially those that have real real uh, poignant implications for uh, Christian worldview and Christian thinking and he just he just really takes those things on and and uh, and speaks to them with a tremendous amount of depth and breadth so that's what I mean by the the amount of content he's just got an enormous brain yeah and, uh, and has a lot of knowledge but nevertheless uh, dr. Moeller, um, in in sort of in conjunction with his daily uh, podcast called the briefing, from time to time, he will do this ask anything uh, kind of supplement to the briefing, and he kind of opens up the floor, if you will, to right. people to send in questions. So it's kind of like a you know a, a Q and A kind of situation. Um, and and so our quote comes from one of those occasions where he takes a question from uh, probably a briefing listener, I would I would assume that somehow got sent in. And uh, any any response to the question? Now, the question that he was asked was, "Should women preach in church?" Hmm. Like I said, we can take that subject up and we can talk about that from a biblical perspective. But that's really not the yeah. direction I think we want to go today. Especially the quote that we pulled from this particular answer to the question of "Should women preach in church?" Because he does he does take his his answer. Uh, in a direction that is much more broad in its implications, mm-hmm. way, way beyond uh, the, the roles of men and women in the context of church leadership. And he takes it to a, a societal and a cultural 
application. And that's where we want to focus in on. So um, this, this quotable quote by Dr. Al Moeller, Albert Moeller, our noble, our Albert Moeller, excuse me, our notable person, um, came from uh, his Ask Anything segment. And, um, and he, he's basically elaborating on this discussion or his response to the question about um, women being able to preach in church, but he's really talking about men and women yeah, yeah. and a biblical perspective of men and women. And it's in that context that we hear Dr. Moeller say this. My belief is that if men don't have to do it, women will. And if women will, men won't. So interesting, right? Yeah, yeah. So maybe a little bit truncated, a little bit incomplete on on the face of it. Yeah. But knowing the context, we're talking about men and women, and we're talking about leadership. So he's speaking to something in the nature of men in particular. Yeah, yeah. That I find interesting, maybe a little bit insulting from an ego perspective, uh-huh. but from an observational perspective, undeniably true. Yeah. Let's listen to it again, because I think it's worth repeating. My belief is that if men don't have to do it, women will. And if women will, men won't. So basically fill in lead. If men don't have to lead... Women will. Oh, I was talking about taking out the <laughs> okay. trash or like cutting the grass. Okay, we we've been in this for how long now? And you're just now, you're just yeah, now I was tapping like, well, in. Yeah, if I don't cut the grass, Kenzie will. If she does, <laughs> then I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so yeah, so so fill in the gap, uh, fill in the blank yeah. with lead. If you know, if no, you... no, that yeah, that's a that's a powerful quote that I think in, in a small amount of words articulates the. In, the, 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 the plight of mankind from Genesis 3 all the way to now. So think about that quote or that statement. So here, here's a man. So just so you know, to, to, to clarify, uh, Dr. Moeller uh, would articulate a, uh, a, a biblical position on an answer to the question, should women preach in church? The answer would be no, not in the gathered assembly the main gathered assembly of the, of the body of Christ, the church gathered on Sundays, for example, um, it is not the appropriate role for a woman to be the the primary teacher or pastor or preacher, yeah. um, shepherding a congregation from the pulpit and leading them from God's word. He believes, as do we, mm-hmm. uh, full disclosure, that 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 role has been assigned to men. That's a male leadership role assigned to men from Scripture. Yeah. Now. <clears throat> We're not going to we're not going to dive into those texts to speak specifically about that, at least not in this particular episode. But yeah. that that's that's the position that Dr. Moeller is articulating. But it's interesting that he gets toward the end of his response, and you don't hear him advocating for the natural and innate strength of male leadership and how you know. I mean, it's it's sort of an inverted, from an intuitive standpoint, it's sort of. It's inverted in a bit, mm-hmm. in, in, in a way, that you know. Basically, what he's saying is, is that you know, men, men or men might fall off the the radar in terms of leadership. And I guarantee you, if and when that happens, women who are capable and can be strong, and yeah. they'll step in. And then when that happens, he's kind of following the chain. When that happens. It only gets worse. That's right. Men, men only fall back further. Yeah. Um, because they typically only lead when 
they're compelled to when they have to. Well, and and you see it, like you said, it, whether it's in society or whether it's in the home or whatever, that 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 only causes more and more things to fall apart. It's not just that men take a back seat, but uh, but in the family, when the man is not leading, not protecting, uh, you watch the the family fall apart. You know, the thing I keep thinking about though is is that's that's not the message that we're hearing from the culture. Yeah, it's the very opposite. It's the very opposite that we're hearing from the culture, and and in fact, we can point to like so if you were to if you were to sum up uh, just in just a few a few sentences or whatever what you think the prevailing cultural message, thinking about what you hear in the news media and from politicians and from you know what kids are being taught in colleges and that kind of thing. Like what is the what is the the nature of a woman's place in our society and and what is um, uh, how are women generally treated and that kind of thing? What what do you think is the most prominent message that that's out there? Well, I think uh, the, the the culture would say that uh, the, this this patriarchal oppression mm-hmm. that is kept when uh, w- in this talk women uh, from uh, being everything that they can be, mm-hmm. and we have to fight against this oppression. Uh, and you know, you can start bringing in the word white to it and everything else. But, oh yeah, but, that's a whole nother level. Yeah, it's a right? whole different yeah. podcast, but right. like. But uh, basically, male oppression has to be done away with. Yeah. And we have to have this equality. What we mean by equality is having women in positions and places of authority where men have historically uh, led yeah. in an oppressive way. Yeah. So even if you go back to, to last year, I believe it was, um, you would, there was politicians who were, who, and I think it was primarily politicians who were sort of using this terminology, but it could have been, it could have been a media driven thing. I don't remember specifically, but you had this idea of a war on women. Do you remember that? This idea of there's a war on women. It might've been associated with uh, sort of the Me Too movement and, uh, and um, sexual misconduct of men and that kind of thing. But yeah. I can't remember spe- the specific context, but I just remember that, that idea being promulgated over and over again that there's sort of a war on women in our culture. Yeah. Um, and even even if we come to today, I mean like right now, what we're what what one of the major things that we are uh, experiencing in this country is the debate um, over the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett as uh, the Supreme Court justice nominee to replace the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who recently passed away. And Amy Coney Barrett is basically being assaulted um, for, 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 you know, for a lot of different reasons. She's a conservative, sort of pro-life, uh, Roman Catholic um, uh, woman. But one of the things, this is what I find so sort of fascinating and typically ironic and, and, to, and to some degree absurd about some of the nature of, of the attacks that she's having to deal with and will have to deal with for, for some time until the, the, um, the, a process is completed. But she is, she is being accused of being a part of a um, religious group, mm-hmm. sort of a, a, a religious subgroup, if you will, um, within her, I guess, within her Catholic uh, denomination or whatever, um, that is 
prone to or or controversially known for subjugating women. Yeah. Okay. So here, here, let me give you the gist of this. So there's an article that was written on September 26th, uh, just a few days ago. It was published in the UK Sun, a UK United Kingdom publication, The Sun. Uh, the title of the article is "What is People of Praise?" That's the group. Mm-hmm. What is People of Praise? People of Praise that Amy Coney Barrett is reportedly connected to. What is it? Um, so here, here's a quote. Here's a pull quote from it regarding this subjugation of women idea. It says, controversially, the group is said to teach that husbands are the heads of their wives and should take authority over the family. So there's the controversy. Yeah. <laughs> It goes on to say, they have been accused of, 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 of encouraging the subjugation of women as certain leadership positions are reserved for men and women in leadership were referred to as handmaids. Handmaids means a, a female servant. Yeah, yeah. So we, we know in, the, in a Christian context, to be called a servant is a good thing. Yeah. We're, we're called to serve. But nevertheless, um, you know, this is all sort of couched in this idea of... Yeah of women being subjected to men and to male authority and, and furthering what you talked about, the patriarchal views. Um, it goes on to say, while married men receive spiritual and other advice from other male group members, married women depend on their husbands for the same advice, one of the group's leaders said. But here's the interesting thing. So Amy Coney Barrett, uh-huh. um, one of the criticisms is that she is, has been associated or affiliated with this people of praise group mm-hmm. and one of the one of the most egregious criticisms against this group one of the most controversial things about this group is this notion that husbands are the heads of their wives and should take authority over the family and that they are accused of encouraging the subjugation of women yeah now amy coney barrett is what we're talking about yeah she's a current nominee to the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Okay, Amy Coney Barrett graduated from St. Mary's Dominican High School in New Orleans. In 1994, she graduated magna cum laude from Rhodes College in Tennessee. While at Rhodes, she was a member of Phi Beta Kappa, which is a very elite academic um, fraternity, and was also recognized as the most outstanding English major for having the best senior thesis. After graduating from Rhodes, she went on to law school at Notre Dame on a full tuition scholarship. She graduated summa cum laude in 1997 and received awards for having the best exams in 10 of her courses and served as executive editor of the school's law review. She then held two high-profile judge clerkships, first with Judge Lawrence Silberman of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit, and then with the late Justice Antonin Scalia from 1998 to 1999. She left the Supreme Court clerkship. She went on to practice law at a prestigious Washington, D.C. law firm, and then she went on to a Texas law firm, and then she went into academia, uh, taught for a while at George Washington University, and then she ended up at her alma mater, Notre Dame, and uh, she was named professor of law at the school in 2010. She became the chair of law there in 2010, and she twice received a Distinguished Professor of the Year Award in 2010 and 2016. So is this a woman that seems like she's been subjugated or would be inclined to want to subjugate women? I mean, do you see the craziness of this? If that's subjugation, then sign me up. Yes, yes. So this, to me, almost gives credence to the molar view of things that 
we're living in a day and time where women, and I'm not saying anything about derogatory about her or yeah, yeah. her marriage or her husband. I don't know anything about that other than the little tidbits I've seen. So that, you know, her husband might be, you know, I, th- I think he's a very capable attorney himself. So, yeah, yeah. but I, my, my point is, is that from a cultural standpoint, you know, she's basically, the question I would have is how many men was she competing against for, you know, top any honors yeah. or any of those yeah, things, yeah. right? And All she's, the, the, she's the one that got them. Yeah. So, so, I uh, mean, she should be the shining example of what it looks like for, I mean, the, the culture should be embracing this. Yeah. Yeah. But again, there's other things at play there. Yeah. yeah. Now, I want to play a little bit more uh, context for Moeller's quote. All right. So I, we gave you the sort of the, the brief uh, version of it because it's just it's very tightly woven together. But I'm going to play what he says uh, after that to kind of broaden his, his idea here. My belief is that if men don't have to do it, women will. And if women will, men won't. Um, there, there, there's something, honestly... Uh, about men that, uh, that comes down to the fact that men don't lead unless they have to. And they don't do what they're assigned unless they have to. And if someone else can do it, they'll let someone else do it. And frankly, that's a part of the catastrophe of modern culture. Uh, and I think a result of, of the fall. How about that? That's, that's good. Well, and, and then he completed, like you said, I mean, he completed the thought he, and he ties in both modern culture and then the root of even, I mean, I, I think that would be, uh, you could say that about any culture yeah. at any point in history, because this is, this has been, I mean, this is part of the curse right out the gate that men don't want to lead. In fact, it was Adam's lack of leadership that left Eve vulnerable and open to the temptation of Satan. And mm-hmm. then it was Eve part of the curse that, that, that God said would result as a, as a sin came into the world is that, Eve's desire would be for her husband and he would have to rule over her. And I think in, in that sentence, I mean, you see what's behind all of this. Yeah. And you also see, uh, what we're experiencing from a, um, a cultural deception perspective Yeah, and, and the way that, that Satan set all this up to begin with. Yeah, absolutely. Did, did God say you yeah. sh- you should not eat of the fruit or the tree of the of knowledge of good and evil. I mean, he knew that if you ate of it, then you would be like him. Yeah. I mean, in other words, it was a whole, it was basically a lie. Yeah. And, 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 and so God is withholding from you good. Yes. And because he's withholding from you good, you need to, uh, uh go over or, or deny his authority and do what you think is right. I mean, that's what led us into sin to begin with. And God has designed authority and submission. Submission is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah, that, it's the essence of Jesus Christ. It's the essence of the angels. It's it's part of, uh, it's it's part of the the beauty of God's creation of yeah, how He's. So made. hold hold on to that because yeah, okay. we're gonna you're gonna you're gonna help us close close out our discussion about that. Um, but before we get there, I want to continue to kind of um, sort of tease out this principle of um, the 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 disaster that the absence of effective consistent male leadership results in. Yeah. And that's really what Moeller was pointing to. Um, there's another uh, another quote that I'll kind of pull in as a supplement to all of this. This is uh, from John MacArthur in a sermon that he preached uh, a few months ago. Mm. And um, he was also addressing this issue of um, women's roles in the context of the church. 
I'm not going to go into all the details of the context, but the point is, is that he takes it in a direction um, of a societal implication, a societal consequence of the absence of male leadership. I want to play this uh, for us as we can kind of continue this discussion. When women take over a culture, men become weak. When men become weak, they can be conquered. They can be conquered. You're watching that happen in this country. As more and more and more and more women ascend to power, more and more men become weaker and weaker and weaker, and the level of vulnerability just keeps escalating. The lie that's being told is that as we progress in these, in these um, ways of elevating women and to an equal status, quote-unquote, an equal status with men, um, and as they take these positions of leadership and power and authority, that is progress for society. Society and and the culture at large becomes better for everyone. Yeah. Now the question is, is that two questions? Number one, is that true? Is that what we're seeing as a practical result? And number two, if not, and if possibly Dr. Moeller was onto something, mm-hmm. and if possibly Dr. MacArthur was onto something, how how detrimental? have the consequences been for society as a result of this inversion of male and female leadership roles in society? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know how hard to quantify. I mean, yeah. And, and again, I mean, I imagine other world powers are watching our progress and loving it. Yeah. So it's, it's what, it's what Mueller said. If, if, if we don't lead, Someone will. Yeah. And just, just to be clear, I mean, the, these, these men are making statements not about political power. Yeah. They're making statements about societal functioning. And, and the bedrock of any society is the family. Yeah. It's the home and it's the family. And so you can talk about, you know, how many... How many females are there in Congress? Or how many females does the president have on his cabinet? And blah, 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 blah. You can talk about that all you want. And you can say that you know these are key indicators of how much we progressed in this area. But a society is made up of home and families mm-hmm. in a community that make up what the culture actually is. And so to the extent that that is strong or weak, there goes your... Yeah your society. Now, I want to throw out a few other things uh, for us here to kind of chew on, and then we're going to wrap it up and come back to some of the things you started to talk about in terms of, in terms of the joy of submission as a biblical principle. Mm-hmm. So that's where we, I think that's where we need to end. But the state of things, if you want some um, indicators of it, um, Tucker Carlson, who is a, uh, a Fox News um, uh, host and and commentator and pundit, he did a series. I can't remember when it was, but it's been you know a few months ago uh, on um, the state of men in America. Yeah, and I just want to read uh, so, uh, some of the transcript from that particular show. Um, he says this: You hear a lot in America about the war on women, but it's men in America who are failing. We have some shocking statistics. The signs are ev- everywhere. If you're a middle-aged man, you probably know a peer who has killed himself in recent years. 
at least one. If you're a parent, you may have noticed that your daughter's friends seem a little more on the ball than your son's. They get better grades, they smoke less weed, they go to more prestigious colleges. If you're an employer, you may have noticed that your female employees show up on time, whereas the young men often don't. Of course, if you live in this country, you've just seen a horrifying series of mass shootings, far more than we've ever had. Women didn't do that. In every case, the shooter was a man. Something ominous is happening to men in America. Everyone who pays attention knows that. What's, the, what's, the, what's odd is how rarely you hear it publicly acknowledged. Our leaders pledge to create more opportunities for women and girls whom they imply are failing. Men don't need help. They're the patriarchy. They're fine, more than fine. But are they fine? Here are the numbers. Now, here's where I want to center in. Uh, Tucker Carlson goes on. He says, start with the most basic, life and death. The average American man will die five years before the average American woman. One of the reasons for this is addiction. Men are more than twice as likely as women to become alcoholics. They're also twice as likely to die of a drug overdose. In New Hampshire, one of the states hit hardest by the opioid crisis, 73% of overdose deaths were men. But the saddest reason for shortened lifespans is suicide. 77% of all suicides are committed by men. The overall rate is increasing at a dramatic pace. Between 1997 and 2014, there was a 43% rise, 43% rise in suicide deaths among middle-aged American men. The rates are highest among American Indian and white men who kill themselves at about 10 times the rate of, of Hispanic and black women. You often hear of America's incarceration crisis. That's almost exclusively a male problem, too. Over 90% of inmates are male. These problems are complex, and they start young. Relative to girls, boys are failing in school. More girls than boys graduate high school. Considerably more go to and graduate from college. Boys account for the overwhelming majority of school discipline cases. One study found that fully one in five high school boys had been diagnosed with hyperactivity disorder compared with just one in 11 girls. Many were medicated for it. The long-term health effects of those medications aren't fully understood, but they appear to include depression in later life. Women decisively outnumber men in graduate school. They earn the majority of doctoral degrees. They are now the majority of new enrollees in both law and medical schools. For men, the consequences of failing in school are profound. Between 1979 and 2010, working-age men with only high school degrees saw their real hourly wages drop about 20%. Over the same period, high school-educated women saw their wages rise. The decline of the industrial economy disproportionately hurt men. He goes on, far fewer young men get married than did just a few decades ago, and fewer stay married. About one in five American children live with only their mothers. That's devastating. That's double the rate in 1970. Millions more boys are growing up without fathers. Young adult men are now more likely to live with a parent than with a spouse or a partner. That is not the case for young women. Single women buy their homes at more than twice the rate of single men. More women than men now have driver's licenses. Whenever gender differences come up in the public debates, the so-called wage gap dominates the the conversation. He goes on to talk about how Women's wages in comparative categories are, are rising above men's. 
Men are even falling behind physically. A recent study found that almost half of young men failed the Army's entry-level physical fitness test during basic training. Fully 70% of American men are overweight or obese as compared to 59% of American women. He goes on and on and on. I know I I read for quite a bit, but there's statistical, hard statistical data that you can point to that really describes what is happening in our culture to men. More drug abuse. More suicides. More suicide. Obesity. Less... Uh, less ambition, yeah. less commitment to home and family and marriage. They're they're basically becoming sort of animalistic yeah. in their in their in their societal um, approach, if yeah. you will. This is what Moeller was talking about. Yeah, yeah, he's basically saying there is something that is associated with the nature of the fall and the curse. That this is not. This is not a sociological observation. Yeah. This is a transcendent result of the fall and the curse that in the absence of men stepping into leadership by virtue of a calling. Yeah. A calling that is from God himself that's bigger than them, it's bigger than their own selfish desires, a calling that compels them to do what oftentimes they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. That's what stems this tide of decline in a culture. Yeah. Now, as I said, and as we've already talked about, the retort often is a retort of that sounds chauvinistic or that sounds patriarchal or there you go. I mean, of course, you're a guy and you're going to want women to be subjected to men. But let's get back to what you were talking about in this principle of submissiveness and what scripture really teaches about that, both in terms of the general um, ethic of the believer and following the example of Christ, but also in the context of home and family and marriage. You started to talk about it. Now the switch has been flipped. Let's see what you got. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that's, well, and, and you see that often in the secular world is you take something that God created as beautiful you know, and, and you flip it on its head and you make that evil. Yeah. And I think that's what we've done with submission. And any born-again believer would tell you that they are, they are striving and fighting to be submissive uh, both to God and to others to the same degree that Jesus Christ himself submitted himself both to his Father's will and trusting himself to his Father and even has submitted himself to the evil judgment of mankind yeah. for our good out of his unending love. And, and uh, so our God himself, Jesus Christ, is the example of perfect humility, submission, mercy, grace, all these things that, that the world says is evil, you know, and, uh, but that we see as wonderful. And then, you know, like, like I was saying from first Corinthians, when, when uh, Paul actually does talk about women being submissive and, and says because of the angels, you know, and and again, I haven't done a, a a full study of that, but the way I've always understood it is, that, I mean, that is what the angels are. They are they are perfectly submissive beings that exist only for submission, and uh, and and they're the most powerful, wonderful parts of of God's creation, you know, that always do His will at yeah. all times, you know, and so, you know, when you so when we talk about submission being this awful thing 
It's like to, to be submissive as a child of God is, is a wonderful, in fact, that's, that's what we see even, even when we are victimized and, and ridiculed and mocked and insulted, it only gives us the opportunity to be submissive and not revile in return and to imitate our Lord Jesus Christ. It takes oppression on the believer for us to have the opportunity to imitate Jesus Christ. But again, that's, that's anti, anti-culture. Anti-culture. And, and, you know, even when you look at, uh, for example, the, you know, the, the household codes in Ephesians and often pointed to as the, you know, the anathema of, you know, modern feminism, where wives are called to submit to their own husbands as unto the Lord. Yeah. And so the, as I think about my own wife, my wife does not embrace this truth because I somehow inspire her to do that all the time. Yeah. She doesn't embrace this truth because she's afraid that if she doesn't, I will punish her and oppress her or in some way. My wife does it because it's as unto the Lord, and in that submission, she finds life yes. and joy and peace, comfort. Yes, yes. And so when I think, but when I think about my wife just as a person, she is incredibly intelligent, mm-hmm. very accomplished, incredibly gifted. Yeah, uh, she is my most trusted counselor. Like. I, I go to her for advice. I look to her for wisdom. I mean, so these I, these these mistaken and even absurd notions that often get, you know, sort of thrown back at the at the Christian for their their whacked out controversial views on the family and home, and, and marriage relationships and and husband and wife and male and female roles and that kind of thing. It completely misses the mark by a thousand degrees. Well, and it it goes back to what Paul says in First Corinthians that I mean, and think about this. So the thing is that that is the most wonderful, the most glorious, the most powerful thing for the Christian is that that Christ died for our sins, and the Word of God says straight up that's absolute utter foolishness to the natural man. Yeah, but for the child of God, it's 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 the power of God, and I think it's the same thing with it. It's like, why would we care what yeah. the world says? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because I, I know without a doubt that, when, like you said, when I see my wife's submissiveness, man, I want to be just like that. Yeah, I want to. I mean, I see her as an example of what I need to be. As I see her submission to me, it convicts me of my own selfish pride, not laying down my life for her on a daily basis, the way Christ has laid down his life for me, the way that God commands us. But that takes you all the way back to the very beginning. What Moeller said and what you were, were getting at too, is that, you know, when men do have to leave, lead, I'm sorry, they, 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 there is a mandate by God. Man was created to lead. The fact they don't, the fact that they think they don't have to lead is, is rebellion against the Lord yeah. himself. And one day every man will stand before the Lord. Uh, and that'll be one of the, the the main things is I created you to protect her, to nurture her, to care for her, to take care of of women that I that I also created in my image and I made them for you to guard and protect. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so so men so this is really a clarion call to men, right? This is a call to men to recognize, listen, don't 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 follow your natural inclination. Yeah. 
follow the, what you've been called to. Hey, let's listen to the quote again. My belief is that if men don't have to do it, women will. And if women will, men won't. It's like you said, Brian, men have to lead. Men do have to do it. They have to lead. Yeah. And that has nothing to do with overlording patriarchy like I joked about at the beginning. It has to do with a servant, submissive kind of leadership that's modeled after the very person of Christ himself. And so the call here is not, hey, let's get back to the olden days where men had all the power. The call is for men to follow their calling. Fear and love the Lord and lead. Yes. Heaven help us. Yeah. All right, man. Looking forward to being together again soon. Absolutely.